Amen. Well, good to see you in the house of the Lord today. I mean, it's had a cold lately. I'm like, why do I have a cold? Last Monday, and I've been fighting it, and I've, pray for me. Amen. Josh, is your throat going to make it? It's got to make it. Amen. So please be in prayer for me as we uh, preach God's Word today and preach the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He told us that he would be with us, that he would give us authority in never ever in the history of the world, do, do, do we need to be preaching the gospel like we do now, like we need to now? There's 8 billion people on the planet, and many, many of those people do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and never heard of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I believe this. <clears throat> this is what God is speaking to me in this season. You know, Jesus said he would leave the 99 and go after the one. The person who needs repentance, the person who needs the gospel, preached to them. And the Lord specifically spoke to me and said, don't make the mistake of gathering together every Sunday morning, and I know you love one another, and I love you, and you love me, and all that, and celebrate my presence and fellowship with one another. Don't you forget that lost lamb out there that's not in this building. Because if you do, I'll leave you to all of your little celebration And I won't even be a part of it unless you realize that you are the body of Christ. We are the body, and it is our job to go out there and compel them to come in here. Even on an individual level or or family level, if if you're just thinking about you and how you can grow in the Lord and how your kids can grow in the Lord, and you forget that little lost lamb, he'll leave your family alone until you get your focus back where it needs to be. Can I get one amen right there? I'm going to say some, some pretty difficult things today, and I believe that there is some things that God is wanting to speak. If you're in this building today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen up. God's got a word for you. If you're listening today online, listen up. God's got a word for you. Jeremiah 8.20 One of the saddest verses, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. That time that was conducive to hearing and receiving the gospel, that time in my life when God was reaching out to me, that time when the Spirit of God was drawing to me, I missed the harvest, and I'm still not saved I believe that God is gracious and God is merciful. Amen in the house that God will reach out to you. But listen to me, you can't get saved when you want to. You get saved when God's Spirit is speaking to you and drawing to you. Can I get an amen right there? I want you to think about something. 100 years from right now, you and I will be alive. We won't have the same body. We are a spirit. We will have a resurrected body, either raised to life or raised a body that is destined to die without the Lord, to suffer in a place called hell. But 100 years from now, we'll all be alive. 1,000 years from right now, we, you and I, will all be alive. 10 million years from right now, we will all be alive somewhere. 
And the Bible says that our life, this life that we live on this earth, is like a vapor. It's like a pot of boiling water on the stove that releases some vapor, and then just in a flash, it's gone. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Our life is like a vapor. And the decisions that we make in this life, the decisions that we make here while we live upon planet earth, will determine our eternal destination. Either we will live in a place called hell, eternally separated from God forever and ever, or we will live with God forever and ever, with Jesus and with the saints of God and all those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I thought about, a, of all things, a license plate a couple weeks ago. I had a co-pastor years ago when I first pastored, and I was going to go out and preach, and I didn't really feel released from the church, and I wanted to go preach. And so I got a co-pastor, Randall Jackson, great guy. He had a license plate that he, a personalized license plate, and this is what it said. Why be lost? Now, actually, he was from Mississippi, not Louisiana, but I used to love that license plate. Can you imagine just driving behind my co-pastor Randall and seeing why be lost? What a witness. Why be lost? Why would we live a life devoid of Jesus Christ? I want to pray before I launch out on this message. Why be lost is the title of today's word. Father, I can't do anything, Lord God, to change your heart, change your mind. And I ask you to help me as I stand here in desperation. As I stand here poor and needy, Father, as I seek to represent you in preaching the gospel, what a task I have in front of me today. Guide my every word. I pray for those that will hear that every heart would be open, every ear would be open, that today we would totally focus on eternity, Lord God. Every one of us, under the sound of my voice, and all God's people said, I want to say this, nobody has to go to hell. It isn't God's will for anybody to go to hell. No matter who you are in this room, no matter who you are that is listening to this live stream today, it is definitely not God's plan for your life for you to end up eternally separated from his presence in a place called hell. In fact, hell was created for the devil and his angels, those who live in rebellion to God. God is not desiring that you go to hell at all. How do you know that, Pastor Kevin? 2 Peter 3, 9, that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ezekiel 33, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And God says, the Spirit of God says, 
through the mouth of the prophet, turn, <laughs> turn from your evil ways. And I should have added that last phrase, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Why should you die without Jesus we all know this word, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants everybody on planet earth to be saved. Can I get one amen right now? There's doctrines that say otherwise, but I can't believe it. I can't see it. I see too much in God's word. Nobody in hell, everybody in heaven, it is God's will. He wants everybody to go to heaven. First Timothy 2, you need a little, little more proof who desires God, who desires all men, everybody say all men, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Mark 16, Jesus told us, he told the disciples, he told us as we read the word, go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? To every creature, to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Yesterday, ironically, I got a text from Bernie Moore, who is a, an evangelist that we support, and I want to put up the pictures first of that I got on my phone yesterday, and Bernie Moore is preaching in Rwanda right now. I want you to look at that crowd. Just gaze at it a moment. Put the next picture up. This is the text that he sent me along with the pictures, and he said this. Pastor Kevin, I had to share with you a quick update from a gospel crusade here in southwestern Uganda, not far from the border of Rwanda. We are having a tremendous heavenly time, and this is why I'm putting up the text, the hunger that the people have for the Lord here is truly inspiring. It's just awesome. Here's the phrase, they're desperate for Jesus our team is overwhelmed with gratitude, very grateful that we got to come and hold a great gospel crusade. Thank you guys at Eagle Heights for loving and supporting us. I want to ask you a question right now. Where's the desperation for Jesus in these United States? In fact, I, I texted him back and I said a few things and, you know, and I was blessed, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Lord, please Make us desperate for Jesus here in these United States. Desperate for Jesus. These people are walking for days. They are not sleeping. They're traveling. They're walking. They're journeying. They're not worried about sickness. They're not worried about rain or weather. They're not worried about anything. They just need to know that their souls are saved and secure in Jesus Christ. And we are in a place in America where we have never been less desperate for the gospel than we are right now. 
And I want to tell you something got to change. And it starts right here in this pulpit today with your pastor. A desperation. I've been praying, God, give me a desperation for souls that I've never had. Beyond anything I've ever had, Lord, a desperation for souls. Make people, Lord, that are lost, desperate for salvation in their life. Why is it? Why is it? You know, if God is for us all, if Jesus died for us all, if the gift of salvation is free and available to all, then why aren't more people saved? Why did Jesus say himself, there are few who are saved? In Luke 13, they were preaching the gospel, and the people were amazed that more people wasn't responding to this great gift of salvation. And they asked Jesus, are there only a few saved? And Jesus said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. It's not easy. There's only a few going to find it. Why in America, especially other countries as well, of course, are we not desperate for the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are we not clamoring for someone to tell us, men, what shall I do? Why don't we have those people here in America? Luke 14, our text today will give you some answers. Luke 14, 16. Then Jesus said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Of course, this is an invitation to the kingdom, to the gospel, to salvation. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come. He sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come. For all things are now ready. There's nothing else to do. All you have to do is receive it. And here's the answer. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. I'm going to tell you why America isn't desperate for the gospel. Because we have excuses. We have excuses for rejecting Jesus in our life. The Bible says it's Satan. I don't believe in Satan. That's your priority. That's your prerogative. That's your choice. You don't have to believe in Satan. But what you don't know is that if you don't know Jesus Christ, he has a sway over your life. What you're doing, what you're thinking, the direction of your life, he has sway over your life. He has sway over all the world, 1 John says. What is he doing? Satan, who is the God of this world, if I don't know Jesus, if I'm still a part of the world, he's my God. Jesus went a little bit further, and it's kind of, oh, my, offensive to say it. But in John 8, he says, if you don't know Jesus Christ and he's not your Lord, the devil is your daddy. Satan is your father. And the will of your father you want to do. You either do the will of the father, or you, God, or you do the will of your father, Satan. There's no in-between what is he doing? The Bible says that he is blinding the minds. He's blinding the minds of those who don't believe so that they cannot see the good news of Jesus Christ. He is blinding your mind, giving you an excuse, speaking lies to your life, giving you every excuse he can to keep you 
away from Jesus. I'm going to preach this message, why I belong. I don't know if it'll be two parts, three parts. But we're going to talk about excuses that the Lord or that Satan gives us for remaining lost. My prayer is, you know, there's nothing wrong with reasoning and thinking through things. Come, let us reason together. Pastor Larry gave that verse out of Isaiah last week. And thinking through, okay, here's my option. God did it. He said, I said before you, life and death. This is an option. This is an option. Choose life. Reason. Think about it. What's going to be the most advantageous in my life? And my prayer is that when you hear these excuses, that you will say, no more excuses. Why be lost? I want Jesus in my life. Will you join with me in prayer this season for your loved ones, your family, and your friends, that whoever is destined to be saved during this season will be? Can I get an amen right there? So let's go back to the text of what Jesus said. They all began to make excuses. The first said to him, there's going to be three excuses today. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. This speaks of our our possessions and our pursuits in life. We use our possessions and our pursuits as an excuse to reject Christ. As Americans, I have other, more important things to obtain, to experience in my life (laughs) that are valuable to me. I don't have time for your great supper. I don't want to miss out on what the world has for me. I don't want to miss out on the fun and the fulfillment. I bought a piece of ground. I got to go occupy it. I ask that you have me excused. Houses, lands, cars, clothes, sports, recreation, wrong relationships, sex, and all manner of sensuality, which is to seek pleasure for my senses. We are in America giving ourselves an excuse. I've got other ground that I find fun and fulfilling. I don't have time for you, Jesus. Just like the prodigal son. And the Lord will let you experience. The Lord will let you do it your way if you want to. He says, Daddy, he's the younger son, I want all the money that's going to be mine as my inheritance. I don't want this piece of ground anymore. I don't want to plow the fields. I don't want your rules and your regulations. I don't want your correction. I don't want your ways. I don't want your leadership. There's a ground out there that I want to go experience. I want to do it my way. I want you to give me some money so I can go buy that piece of ground over there that I can live on. And the Father, that's your choice. I'm not going to manipulate your will. Here's the money that belongs to you. And I guarantee you as he packed his little bags and he got his money in his pocket and he's walking down that road and he's walking by the furrows in the field and he's going, you know what? Good luck, guys. (laughs) Have some fun out there. (laughs) Not going to be me anymore. (laughs) He walks by his older brother. See you, bro. No more daddy, no more rules, no more regulation, no more doing it dad's way. Going to do it my way for a while. We'll see you. And I can promise you in that moment in time, he was elated. 
Everything in his life was now under his control. He could do what he wanted to do. If he wanted to get sloppy drunk, I can do it. And he did. If he, if he wanted to sleep with a harlot, he could. And he did. And he had friends and everybody gathered around him. And he was having a wonderful, wonderful time pursuing this land, living on this land that now he was in control of. I want you to understand, listen to this pastor, listen to this preacher today. There is pleasure in sin. Hebrews 11 says, it talks about the passing pleasures of sin. I want you to understand that when you do it your own way, it's fun. When you do it your way, there's gratification for your flesh. I want you to understand that you can fornicate, you can get drunk, you can do anything you want to do, and you'll have a good time for a little while. Don't, don't, don't ever let a preacher tell you there ain't no fun out there. There's fun out there. The problem is there's coming a moment in time when the fun runs out and the pockets are empty. And when the pockets are empty, the friends ain't there no more. The friends don't want to hang out no more. And the girls don't want to hang out no more. They don't want to have nothing to do with you. They don't want to give you sex. Because you can't give me nothing in return. And the Bible said he was there in the pig pen on this ground that he had purchased in his life. And he's not having fun no more. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 8, when you sow in iniquity, you will reap sorrow. And he ain't having a good time no more. He can't think of a catchy tune to sing anymore. He can't think of anybody to call. He can't think of anybody to get in there and help him out. He's hit rock bottom. He's in a pig pen. There's mire between his toes. There's, there's muck all over him. And he's wanting to eat the slop that he's feeding the pigs. I'm telling you, Americans, there's coming a time you do what you want. It's fun. It's frivolity. It's wonderful or whatever. But there's coming a time when, when, you, when, when what you've sown, you're going to reap. And the music's going to end. And the party's going to be over, young people. You can do it your, your way and your pursuits, but the fun is going to run out. Proverbs eleven eighteen 18 says, I can sow to iniquity and reap sorrow, or I can sow righteousness. I can do it God's way. And you know what, I, what happens when I do it God's way? I reap a what? A sure reward. Well, it might, no, no might. God is going to bless you when you do it His way in life. Matthew 19, it's going to cost you some things initially. It's going to cost you your salvation experience. It's going to cost you and your sanctification as a Christian, but it's all going to be worth it. Matthew 19, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children are lands or cars or clothes or recreation or sports or whatever it is, for my name's sake shall receive what? I'm going to receive a hundredfold, Mark says, in this life, and I'm going to inherit eternal life. I don't want to spend my little vapor 
doing it my way. Come on, somebody. Miss out on the hundredfold blessing and miss out on eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Camped out in a mansion next to you. Amen? I'm looking forward to that. Do it God's way. Do life God's way, young people. God's way is the right way. God can prosper you. God prospered Adam and Eve in the garden. He prospered the patriarchs. He prospered David. He prospered. He gave. He blessed. But here's the difference. The stuff that God allows me to enjoy in this life means nothing to my insides. It brings me no fulfillment whatsoever. So when I lose it, when I have it, it's good. When I don't have it, it's, it's still good. I'm content in whatever state I am. Job was the most wealthy man in that day. And you know that bad things happen. He lost it all, lost his kids, lost his flock, lost all of his riches and whatever. And here's, here's the man of God. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How can I know I'm in a right place in my life when the God gives it or God takes it away? I bless the name of the Lord. And Job said, though you slay me, though I don't understand anything in this life, yet will I trust you. Can I get a witness in the house? Jesus wants to know where your loyalties lie. Rich young ruler, rich young ruler, sell everything you have Give it away to the poor. Follow me. I want to know where your heart's at, dude. Will you give it away? I don't, know, I don't even know if the Lord is going to allow him to go through it. I don't know. But I want to know where your heart's at. And that young, rich, young ruler American said, you know what? This stuff, this stuff that I have is too valuable to me. And there's no way I'm letting it go. And the Bible said he walked away sorrowful. Solomon, he just asked for wisdom rather than riches, and so God gave him riches. There was not a more wealthy man on the planet. Solomon had all the women, <laughs> all the wisdom, all the wealth that any man could ever want. But you know what he said when it was all said and done? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. I'm as empty as a man can be. I'm as smart as any man on the planet. I've got more money than any man on the planet, and I've got more women than any man on the planet. He had, anybody know how many wives he had? 700. I can't deal with one. <laughs> 700 wives, but empty. I've been doing some research and looking at some news articles, and I keep hearing Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady getting divorced, Tom Brady's getting divorced, Tom Brady's getting divorced. I thought about old Tom Brady. All the fame, everybody knows who Tom Brady is. All the fame, Hall of Fame quarterback, champion quarterback. Multi-multi-millionaire, married to a supermodel. Don't know her name. We'll call her Susie the supermodel. I don't know. But he has no joy. He has no joy. He has no joy whatsoever. 
When I was thinking about Tom Brady, I thought about Tiger Woods. Talk about fame. Talk about money. Talk about prestige. Talk about Hall of Fame golfer. Talk about drama. Talk about so many things in his life that have fallen apart, fallen apart, fallen apart, fallen apart. And you know what? He's not happy. And Buddha's not going to give it to him either. I want you to understand what you're looking at with Tom Brady and a Tiger Woods. You're looking at somebody living under the curse with no blessing of Jesus in their life. And whether they're a multi-million dollar athlete or they're, they're the guy that's riding down my road on drugs, yelling at cars, there's nothing on this planet that can fix you on the inside but Jesus there is nothing that you really want that will really satisfy your soul other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not make that mistake. You see, you can see that. And some of you would say, and I would think all of you would say, especially if you're a child of God, you couldn't pay me enough money to switch places with Tiger Woods or Tom Brady. You couldn't pay me enough. I got a supermodel, amen. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need that life. I don't need to scream at my lineman on the sidelines because I'm nuts and I'm, out, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so in such turmoil in my life. You can see other people. You can see the guy on the bicycle. The problem is you can't see you. And the piece of ground that you're trying to buy in your life that is not Jesus ground in your life. Americans, stop pursuing stuff. Let, let God, when God Adds to you, there'll be no sorrow to it. Amen. He might bless you, but in one day, he might say, give it all away, and you're okay with that. Can I get a witness in the house? Let's keep reading what Jesus said. Excuse number two, Luke 14, 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. This speaks of our profession. In America, we use our profession as an, as an excuse to reject Christ. This is our industrious part of our life. This is our jobs, our profession, our education, which is our preparation for our profession. And we say, you know what? I agree with the guy that's living for pleasure. All that frivolity. What a waste. But that's not me. I'm working for a living. I, I, got, I got to put food on the table. I got, to, I got to do things in my life to make ends meet. You understand? I got four, five yoke of oxen. I got to make sure they're going to be able to plow that ground up tomorrow, Monday morning. I got things to do. I got, listen, look at this to-do list. Look, I'm busy this week. I got a lot going on in my life. I'm too busy for your great supper. I'm too busy to sit down and partake of all that you have for me, Lord. I've got work to do. In Luke 12, Jesus said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He had bought that ground. He had saved for that ground. He hired the best servants who could plow that ground. Maybe it was his five yoke of oxen that plowed that ground up deep, made his furrows deep, planted the best seed that money could buy. And all of a sudden it's yielding, 
It's prospering. It's growing. And as he sees the planet, he says, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I've got all these goods laid up for many years. What am I gonna, I'm going to tear down my old barn. I'm going to build a bigger barn. Higher paying job. Greater position. Larger company. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it. I'm going to put all my stuff in there. And I'm going to say, soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Just eat, drink, marry. This is, this is the American dream. Baseball and apple pie, we're living it. This is amazing. But what did Jesus say in Luke 12? But God said. Everybody say, but God said. See, God's got an opinion of what we do in life. And God said to him, you fool. And the Holy Spirit put an exclamation point. You fool, you will die this very night. Other translations, your soul will be required of you this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Some lazy kid, some lazy child who cares not about all that you've done, some relative, some... deadbeat person who's going to get your stuff. Oh, and your vapor, you accumulated. It was amazing. People patted you on the back. People thought you were great. You were the CEO of the town. But what does it matter now? Your soul's lost forever. Next verse says, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a rich relationship with God, or are you pursuing the American dream? Where are you in your life today? I want you to understand God honors work. My kids have heard me preach this for years, and the whole time they were growing up. God blesses the diligent, and he does. God blesses those who excel in their work. Those who excel in their work shall stand before kings, not before unknown men. In all labor, there is reward. My kids heard it their whole life. God blesses work, America. Get out there and work. I need at least one amen right there. And do a good job when you're there. <laughs> That's, that's another message. I can't go there right now. But make no mistake, the requirement is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me say it again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make sure that your heart is loving God with everything that you are. Make sure that the body of Christ that God has placed you in is top priority in your life. Make sure that the people that you are called to influence in the school, in the workplace, in the people you encounter, that is your number one priority in life, the kingdom of God. If not, you're on a wrong road 
and you're going to get in trouble. You know, one of my favorite things to do is just sit in a, in a mall somewhere, an outdoor mall or whatever, and just watch people. I don't want to shop. You can shop. I don't want to, you know, be there. But while I'm there, the most entertaining thing is just to watch people. I mean, it is unbelievable people, watching people. And I'm a dummy. I've got, some, I've got a church degree. I've got a little bit of master's, quit. I was passionate, didn't, couldn't pull it off, didn't have the time, blah, blah, blah. I'm not real smart, but I'm going to tell you what will give you great wisdom is year after year just sit and watch people. Just watch people. And when you have knowledge of the Word and you watch people as they are living contrary to that Word, you will get great wisdom. You will know what to do and not, and know what, not what to do when you watch people. And I've watched people for 30 years of ministry. And I don't watch people like this. I mean, I really watch people. I really do. I'm going to make a statement right now that I've never said in 30 years of pastoring. The only reason I'm saying it today is I, I feel like I'm under obligation from the Holy Spirit to say it to you today. It can lead to some, conf some confusion when I say it. And understand before I say it, there is some balance to it. And there are some extremes regarding this subject. But I'm going to give you a general statement. Friday I sat down, called Pastor Lisa, and I said, I want you to read she was looking at my computer. I want you to read that right there. I want you to tell me what you think. She said, I 100% agree. I let her stew on it 24 hours. Yesterday I asked her again, read it again. Where are you at with that? I 100% agree. And after 30 years, this is where I'm at. You couldn't move me with a bulldozer. This is just where I'm at regarding professions in the body of Christ. Look at it. You don't just look for a church to attend while you pursue your profession. You pursue your profession in the church where God has sovereignly planted you. You will bloom where God has sovereignly planted you, not only in your profession, but in every facet of your life. 20 years ago, I would not have had the boldness to put that on that screen. But when you watch people for 30 years... Understand, most people have no connection to the body. They're just in pursuit of their education or their profession, and they do not understand this is a vapor. Make sure wherever God has sovereignly planted you that that's where your whole heart is because that's where your leadership's going to be. That's where your blessing's going to be. That's where your wife's going to come from or your husband's going to come from. That's where your kids are going to get saved unless God sovereignly moves you elsewhere. I've seen too much. You could argue with me for the next 100 years. I've seen too much. Again, there's balance, there's extremes. I get it. But I'm telling you as Americans, stop pursuing the American dream. Stop pursuing the education and the profession while you're disregarding the kingdom of God. 
Can I get a couple good amens right there? This morning we read in, our, in Psalms, our daily reading, Psalm 92, 12 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. The NLT, I'm going to give you 12 through 14 in the NLT. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Anybody believe that in the house today? I've seen situations in 30 years where people were pursuing the higher whatever and again, God's sovereign. I'm not going to sit up here and cross every T and dot every I. They weren't connected to the body. Most people didn't even know you left because your, your whole focus in life is to make better of yourself. Let me just tell you something. There's, there's a lot more important things than driving the better car or the better house or eating at the finer restaurants. And that is making sure your kids are in the kingdom of God, your family's in the kingdom of God, because that's where you're going to flourish. And you don't move, you don't get uprooted, unless you have a sovereign word from God. Can I get a witness in the house today? Psalm, Proverbs 23 says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. I'll say it a better way, or a way to help you understand a little bit more, trying to get things God hasn't chosen to give you. Don't wear yourself out trying to get things that God hasn't chosen to give you. Every good thing in my life blindsided me. I'm telling you, everything good in my life, I wasn't looking for it, and I don't even know if I was asking for it. I was just in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, and God just poured out his blessing on my life. How many of you know that's how the kingdom works? Raise your hand. Wave your hand at me if you know that's how it works. Some of you got to think about that, but it does. That's how the kingdom of God works. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. I'm going to tell you, you got your big 401k and you're so proud of that. I'm going to tell you, something could happen in America in one week. You lose every penny of it. I'm telling you, if you've got your faith in our government, in White House, in Fort Knox, or whoever you've got your investments in and all, the, in all your portfolio and all those kind of things, I'm just going to be honest with you. You better, you better take stock in where you're really rooted and secure because I'm telling you, it could go just like this. Or if it doesn't, you could go just like this and your soul could be required of you this very night or when you're driving home today. I'm not trying to be a hellfire brimstone preacher, but I am one, amen? And I'm telling you, you can get in that car and you can hit it. Get people doing like this. I hope they, look at the road! They don't even look. They're driving like this. I pray for my family all the time. I pray for our church family. Protect them, Lord. Protect them, Lord, because people are going nuts. I wouldn't want to be one heartbeat away from my eternal destination driving on these roads. I'm glad my name is found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you hear I went across that bridge today and a log truck got over there and smashed me to smithereens, you know where I'm at. 
And this vapor's been worth it, amen, that I've been living in my life. Proverbs or Ecclesiastes 5 says, Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least Solomon, he's learning some things at the end of his life and many mistakes. Even so, I've noticed one thing, at least that is good. It is good. I want you to listen to this. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during their short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. But what is wealth without good health? And I'm not even talking about physical health, spiritual health. I think it's 2 John or even 3 John says, and I pray that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. There's no use in prospering if your soul's not prospering. Can I get an amen in the house? To accept your lot, to enjoy your work, and accept your lot in life, this indeed is a gift from God. If you know what? If you're trying to climb the corporate ladder and all you can do is work part-time at Lowe's, Then the rest of the day you're flipping burgers at McDonald's. And you've tried, but you just can't. God said, that's just where I want you to be. Because I know if I gave you any more money, you'd, you'd leave me. So I'm going to leave you right where you're at. You get back there when you're flipping McDonald's hamburgers. When, when, when you see Pastor Kevin come through the drive-thru, you don't give me some old hamburger with with, with the ketchup half off the bun and you forgot my pickles and whatever because you just, I don't want to be here and I'm just miserable being here and I wish, God, why don't? No, you don't do that. If that's where God has you right now, you put the best burger you can together. You get that meat centered on that bun. Amen. You sprinkle the right amount of onions. You put that ketchup like it needs to be. You put that mustard like it needs to be. You let your manager go to you and say, you know what? I've never seen anybody who cares about making burgers like you do. You are amazing. And if God chooses, then you get promoted. Amen. But you accept your lot in life and you do your work and you do it well. Can I get a witness? Seeking first the kingdom of God in your life. I was thinking about this song, Justin. Maybe you've, ever, maybe you've heard it before. Little is much when God is in it. You ever heard that? I can't sing. I got a cold. <laughs> I can't. I can't even try Let me put the lyrics up. That's the best I can do. Little is much. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There is a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Don't worry about your little. Little is much when God is in it. That's where your blessing is. That's where your joy is. Amen. Y'all might need to try to sing that sometime. I don't know. Do a better job than I. One more excuse and we'll be done. Jesus said in Verse 20, still another said, I married a wife. Uh-oh. This is the only one I kind of agree with. <laughs> She's driving me insane, Jesus. Therefore, I cannot come. No, I'm too busy with my family. My family. Lastly, we use, well, let me just give you 
We use our possessions and our pursuits. We use our profession and we use people as an excuse to reject Jesus Christ in our lives. This, this word in this season of America needs to be preached from every pulpit. Many times we value our relationship with man more than we value our relationship with God. When we talk about normal Christianity, let me tell you what normal Christianity is. You don't, you don't want it to happen. You don't try to make it happen. You hate that it happens. It breaks your heart when it happens. But this is the word, Matthew 10 do not think that I came to bring peace on earth because I didn't. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies would be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will do what? Stay lost? We'll find it. We are living in a time when most people are disobeying God in order to obey their friends and family. We honor the ways of our friends and family more than we honor the ways of God because we don't want to stick out, we don't want to be an offense. We want to love everybody. We want to be inclusive. You know, we make fun of that inclusive crowd and we throw stones at that whole political thing of inclusion. But we do the same thing right here in the church. We don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Most of us would rather take a chance on offending God than offending our family, our friends. I want you to understand there, are, there is no friends and family plan in the kingdom of God. It's every man for himself. It is though none go with me, I still will follow. If mom doesn't agree, dad doesn't agree, child doesn't agree, parents don't agree, friend doesn't agree, my old buddies don't agree, I will follow Jesus no matter what it costs me. And then I pray. I pray, I reach out, I pray for my mom, I pray for my daddy, I pray for my sister, I pray for my lost friend. I preach the gospel to them when the Spirit of God calls me to. But if they don't follow me, I just live alone. Can I get a witness in the house? That is normal Christianity. That's normal Christianity. This outside world beyond our family and friends. Let me, let me say this first. What was God doing with Abraham and Isaac? You know, we, we tell it when we're, to our kids. We, we, we learned it when we were in Sunday school years and years ago. We're this high. God went to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac. Take his life, offer him to me as a sacrifice. We've told it. What's he doing? Sometimes we just don't see the forest for the trees. What is he doing? And Abraham, he's waited 25 years for this child. He loves this child, the seeds of this child, the legacies in the child. But he raises the knife and the angel stops him. And what does, the, what does the, the angel say? He says, now I know who you really love. I want you to understand 
that sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice relationships in order to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want it. It breaks your heart. But I want to tell you, in America today, somebody needs to step up, stand up, stand out, speak up, speak out. Somebody, we look at our politicians and we go, why don't y'all say something? Because when they say something, they're going to be beat up, battered, whatever else. But you and I in the church today, we don't want to step up and stand out and say anything to offend anybody. Can I get a witness in the house? We're living in very intimidating times. There's great peer pressure, persecution. We are being threatened to go with the flow like never before. If you stand up, you get knocked down. If you speak up, you get shamed into silence. And it's time to remember what Jesus said. The world will hate you. The world will hate you. Too many of us are being influenced by the ungodly. Jesus said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Can I get a witness in the house? We are listening to Facebook. We're listening to the media. We're listening to our friends. We're listening to everybody. But the, but, but the man of God is living by the word of God. Amen. He's like a tree living by the waters, planted by the waters, because his influence is the word of God in his life. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to stand out in the crowd. And let me just say this very emphatically. It's impossible to live for Jesus without sticking out. Jesus said in Mark 8, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. In this little vapor, I don't know what I'm going to have to deal with, but I don't want to cower to people and their opinions and have, let the fear of man keep me from following Jesus with all of my heart. Anybody else like that in the building today? Charles Finney, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. I love reading his books. Reading a little bit right now at his lectures on revival. You know what I've learned through reading a lot of biographies and autobiographies is there's always a struggle for these men to come to Christ. It's never, I went to the church one day, I heard the gospel, I received the gospel, went down there, prayed the prayer, and me and Jesus went and lived happily ever after. It's always a struggle, a battle, an inward battle for every one of these men, literally. And Charles Finney was no different. He heard the word of God and he read the Word of God. He was a lawyer. He was very, very, very intelligent, great wisdom, very articulate, a great man. But when he read the Word of God, the Word of God convicted him, and he knew he needed to get saved. He knew he was a sinner. He realized that if he died any moment, he would go to hell. He was so convicted. He was in desperation. He's got to go to work the next day. He's walking to work, and he's, just, he's got to settle the question of his soul salvation that morning. No matter what it costs him, i got to go. i got to get this settled. So he goes out into the woods off the road. There's a little wooded area, but he doesn't want to see anybody, let anybody see him going into the woods. He's ashamed of where he's going to pray and seek God. And so he goes, and he... 
there's two trees that have fallen, and he goes into that vacant area under those limbs, and he's going to pray to God, and he's going to settle the question of the salvation of his soul, and, but he doesn't want anybody to see him there. He's ashamed. And in his own words, he says, my heart would not pray. My heart would not pray. There was no connection between me and God. And this is what Charles Finney said in his autobiography. Listen. He said, just at this moment, says he, I again thought I heard someone approaching me, and I opened my eyes to see whether it was so. But right there, the revelation of my pride of heart as the great difficulty that stood in the way was distinctly shown me. An overwhelming sense of my wickedness in being ashamed to have a human being see me on my knees before God took such powerful possession of me that I cried at the top of my voice and exclaimed that I would not leave that place if all the men on earth and all the devils in hell surrounded me. And he got born again. Let me tell you, we're either going to live for God's approval or man's approval. And let me ask you a question. Right now, if all the world, if you could find favor with all the world, everybody everywhere thought you were the greatest, greatest, and you lived your little vapor, and you missed heaven, would it be worth it? I don't know how many... Instagram followers is good. I don't know, you know, about Facebook and all those things. But what if it was overwhelming, the followers you had, and you just put your little life on there, and everybody thought you were the greatest, and you lived your little vapor, and you lost your soul for eternity? Would it, what would it mean? Or what if you would, were to come and bow your knees before God right now? And everybody's looking at you in this room. And somehow some cameras are on you. And everybody on Facebook, Instagram, every media source in all the world, every outlet was tuned into you. And everybody saw you bowing your knee. It was even on the big screen in Times Square. You bowing your knees before Jesus. And everybody scorned you to shame. Would it really matter if you could gain your own soul and live eternity with Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, Jesus said, For what profit is a man, is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? Let's stand to our feet. Team, come up, please. I I want every single one of you. Charles Finney said this. It wouldn't really fly in the church today, I don't guess. But he said, every sinner in the building, they need to know you're talking to them. <laughs> and they need to know that I'm talking about your sin and that you need to repent. He knew more than I do. I don't know who you are in this building today. Just play something softly. And I don't know if this is your season to get saved. I don't know. You know, 
when I was an evangelist, you know, we put a lot of stock in how many people we could get down. Not, not, that wasn't your purpose, but you felt like you had a good night if a lot of people responded around the altar. I don't even think it was a pride thing. It was just like, praise God, God's moving. And as an evangelist, you know, you, you hear things like, don't let them leave the building. Don't let them leave the building. Make sure, make sure that nobody was ready to be saved and you let them leave. I'm not afraid of that anymore. The Holy Spirit's bigger than that. And just like those men that were wrestling, just like Jesus said, go and count the cost. I want to follow you wherever you go. Come here, sign this card. Pray the sinner's prayer. Jesus didn't say that. Go think about this. Go reason a little while. Make sure that you're giving yourself no excuse. Nothing in this world is more important to you than having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants everybody, I don't care how bad you've been, He knows your deepest, darkest secret. He knows everything, the things that make you feel shame. He knows every bit of it. He could play a video for you, but He loves you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do. He died on the cross for you. And all we have to do is just surrender. Jesus said, to lose my life, not a possession, not a pursuit of pleasure, not a profession, not an education, not a, not a, not a, not a social level, not an economic level. I don't care to be the life of the party and people in there. Jesus, I just want you in my life. Lose your life. And Jesus said, you will find it. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm just following the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you say, Pastor Kevin, I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no possession. There's no pursuit. There's no profession. There's no person that I would rather have than Jesus in my life. I need you to put the, put the lights up just a little bit. I can't see anybody. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Pastor Kevin, I know I'm born again. I know that my soul is secure. I'm not just religious. I have a relationship with Jesus. In this season, I know that I know that I know that my name is found written in the Lamb's book of life. This is between you and the Lord. Would you raise your hand high? I know it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Put your hands down. Praise God. You say, Pastor Kevin, I'm just a vapor. I'm just one heartbeat away. I think I'm saved, but I'm not sure. There's some doubts in my life. I really don't know. Maybe... Maybe I'm too caught up in this world. I don't know. Maybe I'm one of those people. Maybe I'm making excuses. Maybe I come to church, but maybe maybe I haven't really laid it all down and lost my life. I, I doubt my salvation. Would you raise your hand? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I see your hands. Thank you. I see your hands. Put your hands down, please. 
you're in this building today and you know that you know that you know that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know it. You came in the room knowing it. Pastor Kevin, that concerns me. I want to know that I'm saved. I have a lot of questions. I don't have them all answered. I don't know, but I'm awakened. I know that I need to be saved. Would you raise your hand? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I see your hand. Hold it up high. I see your hand. Hold it up high. I see your hand. You can put your hands down. I'm not trying to look up at me. I'm not trying to do gimmicks today. I'm trying to know how to pray for you right now. I wonder if you stepped out of your seat today and said, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I wonder if you think this crowd would be for you or against you. I wonder if everybody in this building would just look down and you go, man, look at that sinner over there. Or Eagle Heights, would you just rejoice in the Lord and be so thankful for that lost lamb that gave their life? Because you know what? They're just where you used to be, and you're so thankful. There's so much support in this room today. And in this season, we're going to preach next week on this topic. And the third week, I'm going to talk to about our being a witness. Why be lost? If you need to think about some things, pray about some things, you do that. I'm not afraid of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life this week and protect your soul. But I want to make sure that I give you opportunity if you know that you're ready. If you're in this building today and you say, you know what, I'm ready to give my life to Christ, I want you to step out of your seat, stand right here in front of these people that love you so I can pray for you. We're going to do what God's Word says and call upon the name of the Lord. You come right now as we play. If you're in this building today and you say, you know what, I'm just doubts. There's a lot of doubts, and I'm ready to get that doubt out of my mind, out of my heart. I want to know that I know that I know and seal it for sure today. I want you to come out of your seat today and nail that down. Nail it down today. Oh, my God. Every soul. Nobody in hell, everybody in heaven. This is what we're believing for in this season, Lord. Anybody praying with me? There's somebody else in this room as we as we preach today on possessions and pursuits and professions and all those things and people. You know, you kind of been straying a little bit and you you hadn't had your focus where it needed to be. You hadn't been seeking first the kingdom of God. You come repent and get that thing straight with you, with the Lord today and say, Jesus, I've been too distracted. I've been too tired. I've been too caught up. I've got this going on, that going on. I've got this and that. I've been more worried about the World Series or LSU or whatever else. Or it could be a 10,000 different things. I've been working too much and not focused on Jesus. I'm so mentally tired. I just want to get my focus right. Thank you for prospering me, but do not let me go astray. Thank you for prospering me, but do not let me go astray. I give it all to you today. I want to sing a little bit before I pray. I have decided 
Let's reason together with the Lord. I've decided it's my choice. It's my decision to follow Jesus. Come on. I'm going to ask some of our people, lady with lady, man with man, would you come? To follow Jesus. I want you to ask this question. What did you come for today? Ask that person, what did you come for today? And I want you to pray. Pray with them right now. Oh, Jesus, welcome us in. He loves us so much. No turning back. No turning back. Come on. Come on. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Why be lost? Don't be lost. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. Turning back, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. Eternal stuff today. No turning back. Turning back, the world behind me, the world behind me, the cross before me. Where are you at today? The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. baptism sheet today follow Jesus and show you not about Eagle Heights not about Kevin Dunn not about religion not about denominations it's about Jesus word to you I'm 
ready to follow Jesus. Die to yourself. Give him your life, which is a picture of what baptism is. If you're in this building today and you've raised your hand high, and I saw you, that you know that you're saved. My prayer is in this season that you would get busy preaching the gospel to every creature. That you would get busy preaching the gospel to every creature. When you receive that text this week, we're going to be preaching the laws. I wonder what you did with that. Did you start praying? Did you start inviting? Or did you just, just do your week and just do your business and do your profession and do your pursuits? I don't want Jesus to leave me to go after the 99, go after the lost lamb. Can I get a witness in the house? Pray for your kids. Sit down, have that, have that hard conversation with your children or your mom or your dad or your friend at work. Let's just pray during this season, everybody who is appointed to eternal life will come into the kingdom during this time. Can I get a witness in the house today? Hey, listen, we're for you. We're with you. Do you have any questions? Amen. Make sure that y'all get a name and a number before y'all leave today. God bless you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen.